0: Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. Welcome to session six of our Colossians and Philemon Bible study. Tonight, we are going to be uh, talking about forgiveness in depth, and we're going to be looking at the short book of Philemon. It's 25 verses long, um, but it is so rich, and there's so much that we can glean from this um, particular uh, book itself so i'm i'm grateful that you're here maybe you're new to the ladies who love christ podcast or youtube channel we want to thank you we're so grateful for you make sure that you find us on all major podcast platforms subscribe on youtube share us with your girlfriends um, we have a rich history of studies there available for you so we're going to go ahead and dive right in ladies if you do not have the book tonight and you're tuning in without your book without the bible study book do not worry what I want you to do these are stress-free studies I want you to turn to Philemon in your bible go ahead and turn to the book of Philemon and while you're getting there I'm going to kind of open us up with a little bit of an introduction so Philemon was the recipient of this letter he was a prominent member of the church at Colossae and in this church okay, met in his home. So you have to remember this is first century, right? First century. This was written in the first century. Church buildings themselves did not start to come out until the third century. So Philemon was a wealthy man, um, wealthy by, by their, their standards in that time. Um, the fact that he had a, a big home um, to have a, a church, was um you know huge during that era especially so he was he was a prominent member of this church and paul was addressing this letter to philemon um to this this person himself he was addressing it to him at the same time he wrote this letter he was writing colossians that's why these two books of the bible are being done together, okay? So Colossians, we we are done with that. We've wrapped up the fact that um, there are so many false doctrines and false teachings out there, and how are we aware of those? How do we um, protect ourselves as ladies who love Christ from the false teachings that are rampant everywhere now, especially with social media? With the book of Philemon, Paul was addressing him uh, regarding his slave onesie mass. Who, who tried to get away, and uh, I'm going to go into that tonight with you, that story, um, but it's it's really a story about forgiveness. Paul was urging Philemon to forgive Onesimus, and it's such a picture of, of really the entire thing. It's such a picture of what Jesus Christ himself did for us. You know, as I was preparing for tonight, and I was thinking about tonight, and I was writing the notes, I was thinking to myself, there's so many times that we, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, there are so many times that we can withhold forgiveness, we can feel justified in holding on to our stuff, right? We can withhold that. But so often we want to be the recipients of forgiveness and have that lavished out on our lives from others. So uh, Paul, we're gonna look at tonight how absolutely, incredibly, wisdom filled he approached this letter to philemon he was so full of wisdom and knowing what and how to say things to urge him because this was back in this time in this day this was a major major issue first off in the roman um culture in the roman empire um slavery was a common thing then so the the picture of uh, masters and slaves this to them was like it was normal um everyday you know routine culture obviously we know that now um, it, it's um, you know because of sin and the fallenness of man that we experience these things but what's so incredible is as Paul was addressing Philemon he knew that had he attacked it from an authoritative uh, perspective he knew had he attacked the issue head on, Uh, that it would not have been as well received. You know, if you look at today, some of the biggest issues that we are struggling with as a society, some of the things that we are arguing about, some of the things that are dividing us as a culture and as a society are things that people are fighting to call normal. They're fighting to call these things right. But we, according to God's word, know that they're not right. So it's, it's how do we approach the sin in this world, how do we approach the people that we may love or come to care about, and we know they're walking in sin, how do we approach this as a lady, as a lady who loves Christ, Um, really following after Paul's example, right, and how, and how he approached it, you know, we, we stand our ground, we do not succumb, Uh, we do not waver, ladies, in this world especially, I'm not digging into the meat of the book yet, so just hang with me, when we come up against these core issues that society says we want things this way, but we know that God's word says this is how God created the family. This is how God created His His order. Right? We are not to waver. We are not to sacrifice. But we can approach things in love and sticking to biblical standards completely and utterly all the way. Now, in this. Um, Moving on, this is one of the prison epistles, along with Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And again, closely tied to Colossians because it was literally written at the same time uh, during Paul's two year imprisonment in Rome. So I wanted to make sure, let's go ahead and go to the bottom of page 103. I wanted to be sure to cover some of that with you, because before we go into tonight's study, it is so very important, and this is a piece that a lot of women miss um, in general when they're studying. It's 2023, right? We're here in the 21st century and we think with 21st century minds, but you have to remember when you're studying God's word, right? You have to study in time, culture, and context. You have to understand what cultural norms were then. So, as I begin tonight's study about this, and as we talk about um, the urgency of forgiveness, and we talk about um, this through a picture of the master slave um uh imagery that that was taking place then it's very important for you to understand that time culture context and then and only then after we've studied god's word can we apply it to our lives now and say what can i learn from this what are the things that i can learn from these principles now we are going to go to the background and setting section the background and setting section of the book. If you have the book, if not, don't worry, I will be reading along and Heather is gonna be taking notes. So, and thank you for that, Heather. So Philemon had been saved under Paul's ministry, probably at Ephesus several years earlier. Again, as I mentioned earlier, he was wealthy enough to have a large house. He owned at least one slave, a man named Onesimus. And this name was a common name back then for slaves. Um at the time he was not a believer, okay he stole some money from Philemon and he ran away. So essentially the slave Wansimas ran away from his master, he stole money from his master and he took off um, to a place where he was pursuing freedom. Like countless other runaway slaves, he fled to Rome and he did so because the capital was... Um, basically he could fit in very well uh, without being caught in a sense. Uh, A lot of slaves ran away to Rome. So through circumstances not recorded, listen to this, because I really like this because sometimes we can miss these things, right? We think that, um, you know, once he was running off to a place where he thought no one was gonna know him, see him, he would experience freedom, he'd be away from his master on and on and on. Well, here it says, through, through circumstances not recorded in scripture, once mis- met Paul in Rome, he met Paul in Rome, and he became a Christian. That's going to be very pertinent to what we discuss later tonight, ladies, okay? Because here's the deal. Here is the deal. When we talk about God's sovereignty, right? When we talk about God's, and I'm, I'm parking it, so just get that imagery, we're parked on the side of the road, and I'm just adding some dialogue here. When, literally, when we try to take matters into our own hands, when we mess up, when we do silly, crazy, you know, very unwise things, when we do these things, ladies, we have to remember that, uh, number one, We must repent and turn as ladies who love Christ. Everything I am teaching you tonight is from a a perspective of, of ladies who are pursuing their relationship with Jesus above all else. But we have to remember that God is sovereign. So going back, if you followed any of our studies, you know this. God is sovereign. That means he's in complete and full authority. There's nothing outside of his control. There's nothing, not a thing, not a cell, not a a dot, not a speck on this planet that is outside of his complete and utter sovereignty, authority, and control. What does that mean for us? To me, it's very hopeful that in the midst of some of my most foolish mistakes, in the midst of the things that I have have done wrong, that I've regretted in my life, in the midst of the things that uh, maybe I didn't uh, seek wise counsel like I should have, and I stepped out and made a bad decision, okay, we all do these things. It gives me hope that God does and can bring good, even from those things. And there are stories all over scripture from literally Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament to new, full, full of people who were who are not walking rightly, who were doing things incorrectly in their lives. But after coming to know Christ, right, and his saving grace and what he does in our lives, my goodness, how God uses those things. So I thought this is so cool because literally the guy thinks he's running to Rome and he's going to just blend in And literally through circumstances not recorded in scripture, which is so many times you're like, man, I wish that was in scripture, like that, you know, more, more, I want more detail. But that's not, that's not the point. That's not the perspective tonight. He met Paul in Rome and he became a Christian. The apostle quickly grew to love, still at the bottom of page 103, he quickly grew to love the runaway slave, and he longed to keep Onesimus in Rome, where he was providing a valuable service to Paul during his imprisonment. So you talk about a life changed. He, he started out stealing and, and fleeing, right? Now remember, time, culture, context. I don't want any emails after this, but he started out running, fleeing, stealing. He came to know Christ in Rome where he thought he was going to blend in. And of all people in Rome, he comes to meet Paul. Once comes to meet Paul, he gets saved, right? He gets saved. And there's this connection between Philemon and Paul, right? It is God's sovereignty, God's authority, God's utter and complete control, so then he provided this this service he was helping Paul but by stealing and running away from Philemon Onesimus had been had broken Roman law and he had defrauded his master so again at this time these are like this is normal to them this is their culture this is this I'm not justifying slavery do not but at this time this was the culture. This was this was a, this was not something you did. You did not defy your master at that time. Paul knew that those issues had to be dealt with, so he decided to send Onesimus back to Colossae. He decided to send him back. It was too hazardous for him to make the trip alone, so he sent him with uh, Tychicus, who was returning to Colossae with the Epistle to the Colossians. So you can imagine, just look at the timing of this. Look at the timing of all of this, including Paul writing the books at the very same time, along with Onesimus. I'm reading at the top of page 104, we're almost done with the reading portion. I have a lot of dialogue tonight. Along with Onesimus, Paul sent Philemon this beautiful personal letter urging him to forgive onesiness and welcome him back to service as a brother in Christ, okay? So ladies, this book that we're going to study tonight is, it's about forgiveness at its core, but it's also about not just forgiveness, but it's forgiveness amid circumstances. Listen closely. It's about forgiveness Amid circumstances that you can oftentimes feel very justified in. So Philemon as his master could say, no, he broke the law. This isn't allowed. I'm justified in this. I'm justified in pursuing this. The law says that I can pursue this, right? All of these different things. This is a picture of forgiveness among all of those things. So Moving on, we are going to cover the historical and theological themes. We have a lot of, we didn't have to do this. Um, We did this in Colossians at the beginning, but we haven't had to do this in a a while. So we are covering the themes of the book itself because even though it's 25 verses ladies, even though it's one of the smallest books in the Bible, it is so packed uh, with richness. So reading under historical and theological themes on page 104, um, digging a little bit deeper into slavery and, and what that looked like at this time and in this era. In Paul's day, slavery had virtually eclipsed free labor. Slaves could be doctors, musicians, teachers, artists, librarians, or accountants. So they had trades. They were functioning members of society. In short, almost all jobs could be and were filled by slaves. Now, if you ladies could just excuse me for one moment, just one moment. Sorry about that. I apologize for that. I am nursing an outdoor kitty that was literally incessantly meowing at my door. Talk about embarrassing. Ladies, if you're listening on the podcast, this is homegrown live Bible studies at their finest. So I literally just had to put this kitty in the room with my husband. So moving on, slaves were able to fill jobs. They were functioning members of society. They were not legally considered persons, but they were considered to be tools of their masters. So although they were allowed to function in these jobs and in these positions, they were not looked at as human beings. And we know, we all know that that is the brokenness, the sin-filled nature of man, right? So they were, in, in other words, they were able to be bought, sold, inherited, exchanged, they were be, they were able to be treated as tools and not people they were also slaves at that time were also able to be seized to pay one's debt so if a master owed a debt he could use his slave to pay that debt right their masters had virtually unlimited power to punish them the reason why we're going into this ladies is because i want you to understand the context of what i just talked to you about feeling like Philemon could have said, well, this is the way things are, and I feel justified in it, right? Their masters had virtually unlimited power to punish them, and sometimes did so, so severely for the slightest infractions. By the time of the New Testament, ladies, slavery was beginning to change. Realizing that contented slaves were more productive, masters tended to treat them more leniently. It was not uncommon for a master to teach a slave his own trade and some masters and slaves became good friends. So there was this transition from a very authoritative, controlling um, sort of environment to realizing that, hey, we can teach them trades, we can get along, we can be friends, we can, it was a it, it was a shift. It obviously wasn't the right direction um, all the way. We know that, but this is the shift that was taking place during that era and during that time. It also became more common during the New Testament times for slaves to be granted or purchase their freedom. They could literally purchase their freedom. Some slaves enjoyed favorable and profitable service under their masters. And in many cases at that time, they they did better as far as their provisions than people who were not slaves, okay? So there was a shift that was taking there was a shift that was taking place and it's really important there's no way to to share what we're going to share tonight and not to cover these things um it's a hard thing to talk about when you're talking about this master-slave relationship and even when you mention it in time culture context it's still in our day and age it's a hard thing for people to um to even really be able to wrap their minds around but ladies we have to be able to study all parts of scripture We have to be able to sit down and study everything and know that all of God's word, all of it, not some of it, is profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction. The New Testament nowhere directly attacks slavery. Had it done so, the resulting slave insurrections would have been brutally suppressed and the message of the gospel, listen to this, and the message of the gospel hopelessly confused with that of social reform. Instead, Christianity undermined the evils of slavery by changing the hearts of slaves and masters. Okay. So although it didn't call it out directly, had it come out, had had these people, this is why Paul approached Philemon the way he did, had they come out and just said, This is this is wrong, this is the issue, we're gonna fight it head on, they would have been met with ultimate opposition everybody would have been closed to the gospel. Instead, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we all know this. Let's bring this up a little to 2023. We all know this, that we were different before we came to know Christ. We lived different. We were okay with different things. So once we come to know Jesus Christ, there's this heart change. There's a heart posture, right, that changes in us. So, so Christianity did undermine the evils of slavery by changing the hearts of slaves and master. Here's how it was done, okay? We're at the very bottom of page 104. I'm not reading to you verbatim all night tonight, um, but there are some, again, there's more chunks that I have to read from directly to get us into the meat of the study. By stressing the spiritual equality of master and slave, the Bible did away with slavery's abuses. The rich theological theme that alone dominates this letter of forgiveness, a featured theme throughout New Testament scripture. Okay. Paul's instruction here provides the biblical definition of forgiveness without ever using the word. In the book of Philemon, Paul never used the word forgiveness, but he got to the core doctrinal issue. Of forgiveness in a time where this was the norm for them, in a time where they would have been opposed to any other viewpoint, and he was able to do so by saying, "Right, once us came to know Christ, you are brothers in Christ." And Scripture it says he was once useless; he is now useful. What a picture of us! What a picture of us pre uh, pre knowing Christ, pre coming into a relationship with Jesus, and then coming into a relationship with him. Everything in my life, everything, everything, the way I think, the way I process things, the way I reason, everything changed, right? So this is what Paul was doing. It was absolutely, if you go back and study it more, it was brilliant. The way in which he approached Philemon was brilliant. And not only is this a book, listen, before we move on, not only is this a book that speaks to the core of forgiveness, and 25 short verses, but it teaches us as ladies who love Christ so much about how to communicate with other brothers and sisters in Christ. In this world, that's a very difficult world to communicate in, a world where it's very easy to say, you don't agree with me and, and I don't agree with you, so we can't have a relationship. We're learning a lot here. We're learning about forgiveness, but we're also learning about the absolute wisdom-filled way in which Paul communicated this dire need. So so I want you to write that down. That's the the nugget for you tonight. Um, One of the many nuggets is to change, pray about changing the way we, I'll say I, you, communicate with those in your life okay so now
1: that we've read that we're going to turn to the context we're going to turn to the context section and we're going to read briefly here in this book the
0: spiritual duty to forgive is emphasized write that down forgiveness forgiveness is a spiritual duty in the book of philemon the spiritual duty to forgive is emphasized but it was not emphasized in principle parable or word picture okay it was emphasized through a real life situation involving two people that were dear to paul and it teaches the importance of forgiveness Paul did not appeal to law or principle, reading from the context, but to love. He could do that because he knew Philemon to be a godly, spiritual, mature man whose heart was right with God. In verses 4 through 7, Paul describes the spiritual character of one who forgives. Turn to Philemon, and I want to read this to you. Verses 4 through 7. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for all of the saints. I hear of your love for all of the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. Verse six, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. Knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love because of the hearts of the saints that have been refreshed through you, brother. So not only was he in these passages, not only was he very edifying of Philemon, he knew he was going to ask him for a massive favor to forgive the offenses of Onesimus. So he called out what he knew to be true about him, what he knew to be good about him. And it describes in those passages, the spiritual character of a person who forgives. I felt like it was so vital to just focus on Philemon tonight because forgiveness is one of hands down, one of the most challenging, difficult, hard things that we go through as ladies who love Christ. I don't claim to know your exact story or what you've lived through. I don't know the abuses or the pain or the hurt or the loss or the grief, but I do know this. While I don't know those individually, some of you I do, but most of you, I don't. I do know that Jesus Christ
1: came, literally came, set a space like
0: plant, went to that cross at Calvary and forgave made a way for us where there was no other way we because what he did for us on that cross at calvary because of that precious gift of grace charis we can we can forgive god will never call us through his word he will never call us to do something that he will not one equip us for that he will not strengthen us through, that he will not prepare the way for us to do. Ladies, it's so important that if there's anything or anyone that you are harboring unforgiveness towards tonight, that you really, really get in heartfelt prayer, because it is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual um, character of a lady who loves Christ, of a lady who pursues Jesus, to be a person who forgives. Even the most challenging, difficult, hard things. So Paul teaches this importance of forgiving through the two people that he loved so much. Okay, now we're going to read at the bottom of page 105 under keys to the text. Philemon is the slave owner whom Onesimus had wronged. Now, here's the interesting thing about Philemon. And this gave Paul a lot of ability in his letter to him. It gave him a lot of ability to reason. And it gave him a lot of ability to plead his case on behalf of Onesimus. He too, Philemon, had come to faith in Christ through Paul's ministry. Years before when Paul was in Ephesus. So, do you want to talk about, and I've seen it in my own life, how amazing it is that Philemon came to know Jesus Christ? He came to a saving faith through Paul's ministry. This isn't just anybody that was writing the letter to him, this was his spiritual person that led him to Jesus Christ. And of all slaves in the world at this time to run, it was Philemon's slave
1: ones He was wealthy.
0: He was influential. He was a devoted Christian. He was regarded by the Apostle Paul as a fellow beloved believer. Okay? A beloved believer.
1: Give me just a moment. Now,
0: At the top of page 106, I have it in my notes here. We're gonna read the the word sharing. You're gonna see the word sharing. The Greek word is koinonia, koinonia. It's also rendered or known as fellowship or communion. It has a root meaning of sharing something in common. The koinonia or fellowship means much more than simply enjoying another person's company. It refers to a mutual sharing of all life, which believers do because of their common life in Christ, and mutual partnership in living out and spreading the gospel. Okay? It means we belong to each other in the faith. Listen to this. These are meats and truths that are really not taught today. It means that we belong to each other in the faith. Such fellowship was a great source of joy for Paul as it is for all Christians who find strength, encouragement, support, comfort, and help throughout their communion with other believers. This is extremely, extremely important, but I want to add a few more things to this Greek word because, again, you guys know me. I love words, right? It also refers to sharing in spiritual blessings, material blessings, and sharing in the suffering of Christ, sharing in the suffering of Christ. You can write that down. Kononia is K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, fellowship or communion, sharing in spiritual blessings, material blessings, and sharing in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Ladies, going back to the first century in which Paul was writing this letter to him, They did not have Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or fill in the blank. They didn't have these social platforms, right? They didn't have all of these things. Now, listen closely tonight. They didn't have all of these things that in so many ways we've convinced ourselves, make us closer.
1: But they were in true communion. Believers in the body
0: of Christ were in true communion. They couldn't send a text. They couldn't send a text to another pastor in another city or another. They couldn't send a message that gets through in milliseconds. They had to literally send messages with people, with carriers that took days upon days upon days to get there. Where am I going with this? There was a strength, an encouragement, a support, a comfort that was coming from their communion together. But here today, ladies, we can convince ourselves that we have community, that we have Christian, godly community. I am all for technology. The ministry started on technology. It exploded on technology. It has been an absolute amazing avenue. But please understand where I'm going with this. And this is, again, we're parked up on the side of the road before we go back. We cannot make the mistake of thinking that true partnership and fellowship, true fellowship in the faith, true edifying and encouraging and pushing and, 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 and prodding each other on towards our relationship with Christ can happen apart from a true, deep, intimate, relationship. That is why it is so vitally important that you get into a rooted, good, strong, doctrinally sound church. You do not judge whether you attend a church based on their choir. I'm not choir, their worship, their music, their child care. But what do they believe? What do they teach about the word of God? And then you get yourself into a church where you do life face-to-face with other believers in the body of Christ. And avenues like this are phenomenal as well. But if you are only doing things through a screen and nothing in person, it literally means koinonia, to belong to each other in the faith, to have this strong fellowship. Only then... Could Paul approach Philemon in the way that he did, in the culture that he did, in the time that he did, when Christianity was as persecuted as it was,
1: and receive a promising result for Onesimus to whom he was pleading for?
0: Okay? Now. A few other bits, and I want you to write these down because they're not in the book tonight. None of this is in the book that I'm getting ready to cover with you. The book of Philemon was included in the New Testament canon for several reasons. One of the shortest books in the Bible, 25 verses, that is it. Number one, it illustrates the breaking down of cultural and social barriers, write it down. Philemon illustrates the breaking down of cultural and social barriers.
1: Paul took up the case of
0: Onesimus, who by social standards was considered less than. I just told you, slaves weren't even considered people, they considered them tools to which could be traded or used as resources or whatever they, they wanted. They didn't look at them as human beings. So it illustrated the breaking down. This is what Jesus does, ladies. This is what when you're really walking in a true deep intimate relationship with Christ, it breaks down cultural and social barriers.
1: It breaks down these divisions.
0: Paul took up the case of Onesimus. Ladies, cultural and social barriers do not, or should not exist in Christian fellowship. Write that
1: down. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Scripture says,
0: now there's neither nor Jew nor Gentile. It is, it is all of us, brothers and sisters in Christ, bringing glory and honor to Christ. The second thing that, that is a vital reason why this book was included in the New Testament canon, is that Paul addresses slavery, which was a, a widely a widely
1: accepted social arrangement in the ancient world. I just went over that with you. If you're just jumping in, there's a
0: lot of context in the beginning. I said a lot of foundational stuff before we dug in. This was a normal accepted social arrangement in the ancient world, and he literally faced it head on. Now, he did not attack it. Listen, he didn't attack
1: slavery head on
0: as such an issue would have been literally shut down and not even received in the first century. Instead, listen to these. This is so huge. Instead, Paul taught that in Christ, both the master and slave are to consider each other as brothers and as equals.
1: Such wisdom to come out the, this 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 heated, socially accepted topic,
0: and say, but in Christ both master and slave are to consider each other as brothers and equals. This teaching undermined the concept of slavery and it laid the foundation for eliminating it. Okay, very, very important, very important. Also very important because you will have a lot
1: of people that do not, do not accept Christ. They reject him, they
0: blasphemy him, Atheists, agnostics, oftentimes the first thing that they'll go to is these social norms, and they'll say, but Christianity stood in agreement with it. But the New Testament did not call out slavery. Paul used wisdom, and that amount of wisdom, we're going somewhere with this, that amount of wisdom could only come from Christ. It could only come from a man who was walking in a close relationship with Christ to be able to address this huge, monumental issue in a way that it undermined the concept of it. It laid the foundation for eliminating it, and he did so without attacking it.
1: Do you see where we're going with this? There's a lot of
0: issues today. Let's park that time, culture, context, and we're going to just speed up to 2023. There's a lot of issues today. There's a lot of things today. We are to stand our ground. We are to speak the truth. We are to speak the truth in love. We are not, we are not, please listen, we are not to water down the gospel. We are not to water down what God calls sin. But we certainly can glean and take a lot of of lessons from
1: this very small book on communications and how we do things, how we go about it.
0: Again, again, not in the book, not in the Bible study book. What are some teachings about God from this book? The first thing that I will always teach you when you study anything, When you study anything, in case you're asleep on the other side of the screen, when you study anything in God's word is what does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about Jesus? Okay, so I will always tell you that. I will always, always, always tell you that. This cannot be approaching God's word, for what do I learn about me? Okay, what do I learn about Jesus? And then I can model Jesus. I can model his example and I can go out there and I can actually be effective. Let's look at verses three and four in Philemon. Verses three and four, okay? Sometimes you can read verses so quick, you almost almost overlook these things. Verse three, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four, I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers. Verses three and four, God the Father is the source of grace and peace.
1: Read it down. Teachings about God from Philemon. God the Father is the great is the source of grace and peace. You will never get peace
0: from the, this world. You'll never get this 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 grace, this unmerited grace, charis favor. God the Father is the source. Verses five through nine. Let's look at what it says. Verses five through nine. Because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I hear of, that means you're doing something and I'm
1: hearing about it. Because I hear
0: of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. And then again, verse six, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us is for the glory of Christ. Such a powerful statement. Literally, all of the good in us should be for the goodness and the glory of Jesus Christ. Verse seven, for I have great joy and encouragement from your love. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Spoken so lovingly. The very first time I read it in preparation, I just thought, gosh, he was just speaking so lovingly to him. Right? Verses 5 through 9. Here's what this teaches us about God. Here's what this teaches us about Jesus. Jesus is the center of our faith. Write it down. Jesus is the
1: center of our faith. On whose account Paul was in prison. He's the center of our faith. These
0: passages affirm the deity, the supremeness. I went into a whole, probably 30 minutes on the deity of Jesus Christ.
1: They affirm the deity of
0: Christ. There are a lot of people that say they believe in Jesus. Here's the deal I believe in Jesus. They say, I believe in Jesus. But if you dig deep, they don't believe in the deity of Christ. They don't believe in the supremeness of Christ. They don't believe in the authority
1: of Christ. They
0: don't believe in the sovereignty, the complete and utter authority. This this whole example, as we unpack it, it's literally layers of things with our focus on forgiveness. But as we unpack it, it's, it's layers upon layers of things. That God is fully and completely in control. He was in control of Philemon coming to know him through Paul. And he was in control of the fact that his slave, Philemon's slave, would run and meet Paul of all places in Rome where he was trying to hide. And that he would come to know Christ and that he would go back. And there would be this utter complete picture of what was once broken and messed up is now beautiful and whole because God's hand is in it. See, if someone says they believe in Jesus, it's not enough to say, yay, I believe in Jesus too. Tell me what you mean. Like, tell me what you mean. Tell me about this Jesus. Like, let's talk, have a great conversation because when you start to break it down, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you'll find out many people, many people shun and do not believe in the deity of Christ. They believe he's a good man. They believe he did good things.
1: They believe a myriad of things,
0: okay? Very important, very important. Don't miss it. The next thing, teachings about salvation. Write this down. Teachings about salvation from Philemon. First off, salvation in these short 25 verses, salvation was seen through two different perspectives.
1: None of this is in the book. It was
0: seen through two different perspectives. It was seen through that of Philemon, and it was seen through that of Onesimus. It was seen through one who was wealthy and influential and had um, uh, the the title of master, and then it was seen through one who did not call on the name of Christ, who who ran, who 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 uh, stole, who came to know Christ and was redeemed. I thank God for his redeeming love in my life. So you're seeing salvation from two very, very
1: different cultural aspects. Philemon was indebted to the apostle Paul because Paul brought the message of salvation to him. Literally. Let's look at verse 19. Philemon. Verse Nineteen.
0: I Paul write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your very self. What was Paul saying to Philemon?
1: What was he saying? He was saying,
0: "I will repay what Onesimus has stolen from you. I am pleading on his behalf. He's come to know Christ." You are to forgive. You're, you're not to just say you love Jesus. Ladies, it's very easy. Now, I bet y'all thought I wasn't going to go off tonight. It's very easy to go to church, to worship, to listen to the music, to feel all the feels. Oh my gosh, everything's great. But it is hard to walk out the truths of scripture when you are staring down the deepest wounds, the deepest pains, the deepest abuses in your life. That is the message here. He was saying, I will repay anything that one's ones mistook from you. But you came to know Christ. Your sins were forgiven.
1: You were redeemed. And that's because he shared the hope that he had. He was his spiritual mentor, if you will. And he was saying, even though you owe me your very self, he was simply saying, I led you to faith in Christ. Now here's your chance to show, not to have a facade, not to have
0: the most polished social, but when the rubber hits the road and nobody's looking and you're in those conversations and you're in those moments and you're in those private places and you're with these people, That have hurt you. Are you going to show the forgiveness and the love that Christ showed you when he literally was nailed to that cross at Calvary? See, this is what Paul was pleading on his behalf. He was pleading on behalf of onesimus. So, so Philemon was indebted to him for this, but then onesimus was an example of transformation transformation because of the message of salvation boy do I, I i you know when i read scriptures and i read stories in the bible i often think like who do i who who, who would actually be in that story i i really really understand ones an example of transformation i think about it's never ever 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 lost on me how much the lord has done in my life how he's changed my heart From bitterness to kind, from hurt
1: and wounded to loving and nurturing does not mean that
0: I don't you know, but what I'm saying is, I am so different. Once Christ came into my life, it was such an example of transformation, like caterpillar to butterfly, like, oh my goodness. Miss is an example of transformation because of the message of salvation. It is one thing to say you believe in Christ. It is one thing to show up and do all the things. It is one thing to check the boxes. but here, Paul is getting to the heart of cultural social norms. He's getting to this this ability that Philemon has to withhold forgiveness, and he's saying, but you are in Christ
1: And because you are in Christ, This man is worthy of the same forgiveness that you were.
0: He was an example of complete and utter transformation. Now we're going to go to page 109 in the book. Page 109. And we're not doing all of the questions together tonight for the sake of time, but we are going to breeze on down to number two. Paul revealed much about his personal situation and his history with Philemon. What key information do you see here that will prove to be leverage for what Paul was planning to ask Onesimus to do?
1: First off, let's read verse one
0: together again. Let's read verse one. Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker. Okay, now let's just go back here to verse one in the book, page 106.
1: At the time of writing, Paul was a prisoner
0: in Rome for the sake of and by the sovereign will. I love that, by the sovereign will, God was totally and completely in control by the sovereign will of Christ. By beginning with his imprisonment and not his apostolic authority, Paul made this letter a gentle and singular appeal to a friend. It's how he started out. He started out in love and not law. He didn't come at it from I have the authority I'm going to tell you that you will take ones of back. You will forgive ones and you will. He approached it differently. Again, that's why Philemon has so many layers. Layers of, about forgiveness. Layers about communication. Layers about how we approach things. Layers about relationship. There was a relationship here for Paul to be able to write this letter. Right? He didn't come at it from his apostolic authority. He came at it from
1: love. He came at it from the relationship. He
0: came at it from having invested time. He invested time back in Ephesus with Philemon in bringing him to Christ. There's there's so many layers here. Who are we investing time in? Are we investing time in people to the point that we can share the tough truths and the things that people need to hear?
1: It's a reminder of Paul's severe hardships
0: was bound to influence Philemon's willingness to do the comparatively easy task that Paul was about to request.
1: He made it a simple appeal to a friend. He didn't come at it from a a place of authority. Let's go down to
0: verse 4 and 5. again back to verses four and five, I always thank my God, I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers, when I mention you in my prayers, he was praying. Paul was a praying friend because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus.
1: Paul in these passages ladies recalls how much Philemon had done in the comforting of persecuted and poor saints. Do you see that? Paul was recalling how much Philemon had done in the persecution, the persecution of poor saints. How much he fought for them, how much he'd done. He was showing acknowledgement and gratitude for what he'd already done. He didn't come at it,
0: let's bring it up to 2023. He didn't come at it, it's my way or the highway, I'm the master, I'm the wealthy one, he's the one who cheated me, he's the one who stole from me, he's the one who fled from Rome, I'm vindicated, I'm able to do this,
1: he didn't come at it like that. He came at him and he he said, look at all these things you have done. Look at all the good you have done.
0: He showed acknowledgement and gratitude. Talk about the ultimate, Paul was a communicator, communicator.
1: He really knew. Verse seven through nine,
0: verse seven through nine. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. They've been refreshed through you. He appeals to
1: him on the basis of love. Write that down. He appeals to him on the basis of love. Not on the basis of his authority, but on the basis of love. This is relationship building. It's wisdom. It's
0: wisdom to know. It's it's wisdom, ladies. I'm bringing it fresh right here, right now. Modern day, it's wisdom to know that perhaps there's people that you're withholding forgiveness from, you're feeling justified, you're feeling vindicated and withholding it, you're feeling like you have every right to do so. And I'm not downplaying what you've lived through. I'm not minimizing what you've lived through. I know pain. I know pain more than most people would ever imagine. Deep layers of pain. I know that. But I also know Jesus. And I know that forgiveness is
1: possible. Forgiveness and healing is possible. It's a reminder to us that not only
0: can we forgive, that that we can invest the time from even here behind the screens. So that's why we always do in-person conferences. And I'm going to get back to in-person Bible studies in 2024, where I have little, little Bible study groups and I provide the materials. We're going to start doing these things because it's time that we get back from behind the screens, and we invest in our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that it's not superficial, that it's not filtered, but like Paul was saying to Philemon, that it's pure, that it's that uh, quinona kind of relationship that we urge each other on, that we press each other on, that we love and encourage each other, but we can also speak the truth to one another. So many layers, and then question number three. What words and phrases did Paul use to describe the changes in the runaway's life? Okay, I, again, I I really resonate with one that person, I had so much pain and hurt in my life, ladies, that for so long, I ran. And I felt justified and I felt hurt and I felt angry and I felt sad and I felt robbed and I felt abandoned. And I felt all of these things that I clung to, thinking that I had this right to hold on to them. And meanwhile, they suffocated me. Meanwhile, I wasn't growing. Meanwhile, I wasn't growing in my relationship with Christ. Meanwhile, He wasn't using me because I was still in that stuff. Christ is a Redeemer and He's a God that will give you back anything that was stolen and taken. And, 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 and robbed from your life in your relationship with him. He is enough. He is the prize. He is everything. He is everything. He is everything. He used the word in, um, in verse 11. He used the, the word translated literally useless to useful. Perfect. I was useless when I was in that stuff. And I was remaining angry and unforgiving and harboring resentment and sadness. And I'm not saying that we don't feel the feelings. You will feel feelings from the things that you go through. But there is a redeeming love in Christ. There is freedom in Christ. There's the strength in Christ to look at those. I've forgiven every person, every scar on my body, every scar you can't see. There are scars on my body, my hands, my feet, my back, and my face that you can see. But there's a lot of scars and and the ones that really hurt that you couldn't see the scars of sexual abuse, the scars of growing up and and being taken from my mom, the scars of having a little girl of my own and giving her up. These are the things that I carried and they're the very things that Christ uses. He will do that in your life. If you, as Paul was urging Philemon to do, if you lay it down at his feet and truly let him do what only he can do. And a huge part of that, A huge part of that, a massive, monstrous, monumental part of that is our ability to forgive those who have greatly wounded us,
1: who have greatly, greatly
0: wounded us. See, one's mess was me. He went from useless to useful. He went from from running and standing in agreement with, with, with sins and with stealing and with all these things that are not of the nature of Jesus Christ to literally becoming a warrior and helping Paul while Paul was in prison in Rome. He went from useless to useful. God will take you from that place and he will make you useful. He will give you purpose. He will give you hope. He will give you the things that you desire spiritually. I'm not talking health, wealth, name it, claim it. I'm not talking that garbage. I'm talking that that usefulness. When you can sit down and you can say, I know that Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords is, is good. I know that he is real. Let me introduce you to him. Let me tell you about what I've lived through that he brought me through. Paul was highlighting that ones and mess have been radically transformed by God's grace, by God's favor. Radically transformed. God doesn't just come in and say, here, I'm going to clean up your messes, baby girl. I'm going to clean up your messes. I'm going to sweep it up to the side. He comes in, ladies, I'm about to go off. He comes in and he transforms you from the inside out. He gives you the ability to look at those that wanted you and to see their pain and to see their hurt and to see it doesn't justify the abuse. It does not justify what was done to you, but he gives you the ability to step into that messy, dark, hard place and see the brokenness and the sin and what these people had to live through. Because people don't just do some of the things they do because they're not hurting. God transforms you. He changes you. He makes you new. That is what he was saying. And Paul, I think it's not in scripture. I'm just adding my own thing here, but I really think Paul was really urging Philemon because he's like, I know this is who you are. I know that you are in Christ. I led you to a saving faith with him. Now here's your, your slave ones in this. I'm sending him back and I'm trusting that because you are in Christ, you are gonna do the right thing. Ladies, some of us need that message tonight. Because people are looking at us and they're saying, but they're in Christ, but the way we act isn't lining up with that. Our unwillingness to forgive, our willingness to sit down at a table and gossip. People will never tell you, but boy, they're watching and they see it. Because we are in Christ, we are useless to useful and we must walk in a new way, right? And then four, number four page 109, what are some of Paul's arguments for why Philemon should forgive onesimus? What are some of his arguments? Well, let's go to verse 15, very simple. Go to verse 15 of Philemon. And here's what it says. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, talk about powerful, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He's especially so to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord, both in the flesh and in the Lord. What Paul was suggesting to Philemon here is that God was providentially, okay, and I've seen this time in and time out in my life. God was providentially orchestrating the events. Sovereignly and providentially ordering the overturning of the evil of one's mess, running away to produce eventual good.
1: To produce eventual good. He is so
0: loving. God, he's so loving. He's so caring and, and nurturing. He's so incredible that he saw us in our sin he saw us in our darkness he saw us in our muck he knew that muck he knew there was no way out there's no way there was no way to bridge the gap and he sent us jesus christ and when we accept jesus christ we are useless to useful we are transformed the old has passed away and the new has come we right now right now In 2023, we have got to be walking in this. We must season our speech, season our actions, and literally walk in this. God, God was providentially ordering the steps. I look back at things that I think, oh my gosh, how did I ever get through this? And I see God's providence, God's providence, his goodness, his sovereignty everything down to the littlest detail girls the next thing here's the next thing let me keep going he argued that onesimus was more than a slave he wasn't just a tool see in in roman culture they were just tools they weren't even viewed as people it was the cultural societal norm and and Paul saying no 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 he is not just a tool he is not just a slave He is a beloved brother. There are no cultural, societal
1: things in Christianity. Barriers. Do you understand this?
0: Paul was calling Philemon to receive his slave now as a fellow believer in Christ. He left, he sinned, he did wrong. Yes, yes, and yes. But my goodness, by the grace of God, there go I. He came back a new man. He came back a transformed man. And you know what? God transforms you so much and so deeply and so purely that you can literally share those those horrible sins and dark days and things that you did and say, but Jesus, look what he did for me go back and listen. Jonathan Yusef he just reshared the podcast this week. You can find it on Jonathan uh, Candid Conversations with Jonathan Yusef or Leading the Way UK. Go there and look. I got to be there. And I got to share what God has done in my marriage. I got to share his restoration. And you know what that was through? It was through my sin. It was through my darkness. It was through my pain. It was through my heart that was wrecking my marriage. And see, I can sit there. People ask me, "How do you share that?" Because that's not me anymore. That's not me anymore because I have been literally redeemed by the blood of Christ. He was calling Philemon to 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 literally receive his slave as a fellow believer in Christ. And you can say, "I did that foolish, stupid, horrible thing," but let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you how He restored my marriage. Let me tell you how He restored my heart and my body, the deep brokenness that lived in this heart, y'all. You can't even understand. And you'll never ever understand. We'll never understand the pain we all go through. I, I can't imagine some of the things you've lived through, but I can't understand the pains that your heart bears. But Jesus understands, God understands. He's a restorer, he's a redeemer. Verse 19, and I'm gonna just keep going. Philemon owed Paul something far greater. Philemon owed something to Paul that was far greater than the material debt Paul was offering to pay. One's stole from Philemon and Paul was like, I'm going to pay you back. I'm in prison. I'm in Rome, but I'm going to pay you back. But you see, Philemon owed him something more. He was offering to repay since Paul led him to a saving faith, a debt. That Philemon could never repay. Paul. Paul led him to a saving faith. It was something that that, that Philemon could never repay. Ladies. I know it's not easy, but this is the message. We came to Christ. We were dead in our trespasses. We were lost. We were in a dark place. We were in an ugly place. We. We were sinning and living apart from Christ. And Jesus said, accept this free gift of charis, grace, favor, accept this gift, call on my name. I will make you new. I will redeem you. And he did that for us. And he forgave us the darkest, the darkest things we've ever done. He took those sins on the cross at Calvary. We are not Justified in withholding forgiveness for even the darkest, darkest things. I have sat down, and I, I didn't expect to go here, but I'm going here. I'm going here. I have sat down, be it in person or or um, in some way, with every single person in my life that that literally caused deep pain be it physical abuse, I sat down, I forgave my aunt, I forgave her, I sat down, I forgave sexual abuse from my grandfather as a little girl, right, I forgave, I forgave, and it was not, it was not a natural, I'm gonna will myself to forgive, you can't will that, You can't will yourself to do that. It is impossible for you to do it apart from Christ. What is this? This is a message that we are to cling to him. We are to run to him. We are to stay in his word. We are to stay immersed in in the truth because God himself goes before you and will
1: equip you to forgive those things. And sometimes we convince ourselves that we've forgiven. And he'll gently, lovingly remind us that we haven't. Ladies, you cannot do, (laughs) okay, I'm going to say it like this, and I'm done. I have four points after this, and I'm done.
0: You cannot do the spiritual things, you cannot do. The, the the just like in Ephesians 6 like we flesh not against flesh and blood but against the spiritual darkness and the things that we cannot see you cannot fight that war on your own we cannot do the spiritual things we are called to do as warriors of Christ, as ladies who love Christ. We can't do those things just trying to be a better person, just messing up and saying, I'll do better. We can only do it literally clinging to Jesus. That is my message to you. You must cling to him and you must be willing to let down and let go of the things that you may be holding on to because those things are holding you back. It was hard. It was hard. I would take two steps forward and 47 steps back and then one step forward and then a hundred steps back. The Lord wrestled with me on forgiveness until I was like, Heavenly Father, my life is yours. Use me. Use every word. Use me as you will. He will do it, but you must surrender. You must surrender. We must be willing to be a picture of what we put on our social, what we put out there at church. We must be willing to do that when nobody's looking and when it's dark and it's hard and it's ugly.
1: We're we're such a society of
0: everybody look at me, go do good. Me, 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 me. Let me put all the good things that I'm doing out there in the world. But then behind closed doors. You have one opportunity to sit down and have one tough conversation and you fail epically, right? This is a picture of Lord, you go before me. Help me to be the warrior of Christ that I know you've made me to be, not only out there on social or in the world or wherever you use me, but behind closed doors when nobody is looking because he knows what is in your heart. He knows what is in my heart. He knows you can convince yourself We can convince everybody around us, but he knows what is in our heart. And I'm going to say it and I'm going to be quiet because I want my girls done on time. We cannot call on the precious, 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 holy name of Jesus Christ and walk in sin and walk in disobedience and walk in an an unwillingness to surrender. The two don't mesh. We cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the word. We cannot say that we're going to sacrifice here, here, and here to make everyone happy, but then we're going to honor Christ. Ladies, it is all or nothing. And I say that boldly. All or nothing. There's stuff that needs to be laid down tonight. There's forgiveness that needs to be given tonight. There are things that you've got to start praying about tonight. There's a seriousness in your walk with Christ that maybe needs to happen tonight. Four things that we can glean from Philemon, and I'm done. Four things, four simple things. Write it down. Four things that I can glean, G-L-E-A-N, that I can understand, whatever word you want to use, from Philemon. Number one, from verse seven. Let me take a sip. Verse seven. Let's just read that again one more time. Brad, great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Our faith is a blessing to others. Write it down, write it down. I want some proactiveness. I want Bibles being highlighted and things being
1: written down. Our faith is a blessing to others.
0: Our faith isn't to be lived behind closed doors. It's not to be hidden, but it's to be a beacon of light and hope for others. And some people will reject you. Don't be shocked by it, be
1: ready for it. Come on now. Don't be shocked, be ready. But there's gonna be people who don't reject you, who see your faith,
0: who see your fruit, and who follow suit. It's to be a beacon of light and hope, number two. We can appeal to others in love rather than law or authority. We can
1: appeal to others in love rather than law
0: or authority. Paul bathed this beautiful letter of Philemon in love based out of a relationship, based out of this this, this um, spiritual relationship and, and Christ-like brotherhood that he had with Philemon. He knew how to talk to him. He knew he could talk to him in this way because he knew he was a believer in Christ. And he knew that he was going to urge him on to do some spiritual things that, that needed to be done because he was no longer the old Philemon. He was in Christ, right? We can appeal to others in love rather than the law. It's exactly how Paul approached Philemon. He didn't come at it from his apostolic authority and he very well could have. He could have come at it like, this is what you're gonna do, but he didn't.
1: He approached him and he's like, I wanna see the fruit. Ladies,
0: there's people watching. There's people watching you because they wanna see the fruit. They wanna see the fruit. Number three, Jesus must always be the example we model. We are encouraged to love like Christ. We are encouraged to love like Christ. Verse 12 of Philemon. I'm sending him back to you. I am sending my very own heart. He didn't just say I'm sending him back to you. He said, I'm sending my very own heart. I love this man. He has changed. He's helped me. He is a new man. If you look, ladies, scripture is all about people who were broken, lost, sin-filled, and totally and completely when they called on the name of Christ, redeemed, new, fresh, and serving Christ. May we all give each other that grace that we once needed in our lives. May we all give each other the grace that was modeled from Jesus. Verse 12, Paul loved others deeply. We can lead in love. And we can always let Jesus be the example we model. Number four, we must forgive like Jesus forgave. I always save. I always save. I want to say the best for last. We must forgive like Jesus forgave. I think it is so easy to agree to every other spiritual strength and discipline in scripture. But this one, this is the one, this is the one. And this is where I just want to urge you ladies, this is where, this is where you can truly step out. Please listen and we're done. This is where you can truly step out in faith. This is where you can truly step out and say, Jesus, I'm taking you at your word. I am taking you at your word. I am going to lay down whatever it is, whatever it is, or whoever it is that needs this forgiveness. I am going to do it. We must forgive like Jesus forgave. Just as he paid the price for all of humanity, Paul was willing to take that responsibility for whatever one's owed, so that he could be fully restored and forgiven by Philemon. If that is not a picture of what Christ did for
1: us, going to
0: Calvary, forgiving us of our sins, making a way where there was no other way, and now interceding at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. If if he did that for us, we can certainly walk in faith and obedience to him. And ladies, when you truly, I'm going to say it, when you truly, 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 not when you've convinced yourself, but when you truly, truly forgive these things, you will be amazed At what Jesus does through it. So much so that the story that brought me to my knees at one time is the story that I literally say I would not change. Not a thing, not a detail, not a mark, not a pain, not a thing. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can redeem like that. Ladies, it's a great, great, great book. You need to go back. Read it again. Pray over what is it? Who is it that you need to forgive? Pray over your communication and with the people. Pray over how you're communicating things to people. Pray over the relationships in your life, the koinonia, the relationships that pressing each other on in the faith. Pray about getting into a solid, rooted, doctrinally sound, not a tickle your ears, church, and grow, grow, ladies. This is, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for this ministry. Lord, I come before you and I thank you for what you did tonight. I thank you for each and every beautiful lady that is here, that took her time, that didn't rush the clock, that didn't look at the watch, but that she took her time to still herself before you, Lord, and before your precious holy scriptures. We don't need anything else. You've given, you've literally given us everything we need in your word everything we need in your word. Lord, I don't know what she has lived through. I know there's a lot of of us that hold on to things lord i don't know what the unforgiveness is i don't know what the offense is but heavenly father you know her in detail and you want to transform her you want to use her lord in that story but heavenly father we cannot be used to the level that you want to use us in this world if we're not willing to do the things that you call us to do and tied to that is forgiving lord let us have hearts to forgive like you forgave us and like you gave us jesus christ To to literally die that martyr's death on that cross at Calvary, that horrific, horrendous death, and take the sins of the
1: world on himself, literally the sins of the world. Lord,
0: let us never forget the weight of that. Let us never forget the weight of what you want to do in this world through us and through the brokenness, because you are a God that is providentially and sovereignly in control, Heavenly Father. Let that sink into these gals, tonight. Let it sink so down deep into their poor heavenly father that she can't stop thinking about it and that she starts to walk out whatever that is with you. You are holy, you are righteous, and you're so worthy of our praise. It's in Jesus' beautiful and precious and holy name I pray. Amen. All right, gals. So excited. Listen, I know some of you are on and you're new. If you're just popping in and you're like, wow, what is this? This is our last session of our Colossians Philemon Bible study. Look up Ladies Who Love Christ on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. All of our sessions from this session, from this Bible study session, all of them are there okay in order and also on the podcast and make sure that you sign up for our newsletter at ladies who i always announce our bible studies that way god bless you ladies i'm so proud of you for digging into god's word and this is just the beginning this is just the beginning i look forward to doing our summer study with you soon god bless y'all and have a great night bye on zoom gals.